Hey everyone, welcome to the Activate Podcast. It is just so awesome that you're listening to this. If this is your first time listening, uh, welcome to the podcast. If you would like to catch past episodes, you can find them on soundcloud.com or on iTunes by searching uh, Jillian Pelkey Activate. Like I just said, my name is Jillian Pelkey, and it is just a privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, We're going to pray and then get right into it. So would you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for this opportunity to share what you've taught me. God, I thank you for this opportunity to share uh, my experiences and my life lived. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified. God, I pray that uh, people's attention would be just shifted onto you and that, God, you would uh, meet us here this morning. I pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So, uh we are sometimes focused on our own knowledge of who we are. So we know that we are capable of certain things and we know that there's things that we're not capable of doing. And it's very easy to put that mindset. So like, I know myself, I could set my alarm for a certain time, but I know that I need two snooze buttons because I know that I won't get up. That's not actually me, but other people are like that. So we all have things that we know the truth about ourselves. Sometimes we take that truth that we know about ourselves as human beings and we transfer that onto God. We say, I know that I promise things, but I don't always come through. I know that I might say something and then never actually get around to it. Or I might commit to something and then other things come up and so I don't actually show up. And we can transfer what we know about ourselves onto God. Now, God is not like that. God keeps his promises. God does what he says he's going to do. We can trust fall into God's arms because he will catch us. So if he asks us to do something great, he'll be there uh, to see us through it. And so I want to talk today about marriage. I want to talk today about the mystery of marriage, the, uh, the, the things that we can learn from, mar- from marriage. And even if you're not married today, a lot of these principles will uh, still apply to your life with relationships and with things that God can teach you through it. So my husband and I just celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary. So we have been married for 16 years. And so in honor of that, I want to present 16 lessons that I've learned as a married person. Um, I remember one day going to a women's event. We were in a church van and we were headed out to this women's event. And uh, there was a lady in the car who everyone admired. And I knew her testimony. I knew her story of the horrors she had seen in her life, like the hard things that she had gone through. And there was a lady that turned to her and she said, wow, your life is just so amazing. She didn't know her story or the hard things she had been through. She goes, it just looks like your life is so perfect and everything has been so perfect. And this lady who had been through hell on earth, who had seen dark days, turned to her and lied and said, yes, my life has just been perfect because I trust in Jesus. And because I trust in Jesus, my life has just worked together just perfectly. I remember feeling sick to my stomach because it was a lie. Her life had been horrible, but she wasn't willing to share that. She wanted everything to look just perfect. And on the outside, it looked just perfect, but I knew she was lying. And I feel like many times in our lives, we would rather look good than tell the truth. 
But do you want to know where God is? He's in the truth. He's in the truth of the everyday. He's in the midst of a struggle. And so when we look at marriage, uh, so many times we can look at marriage and look and, and think of perfection, but there's no part of marriage that's perfection. And I think that God designed marriage to help us to grow, to help us to be able to see our, ourselves in a mirror. It's a close relationship that reveals things in us that would uh, otherwise be uh, difficult to reveal. And so the story of this lady on the church bus has always sat with me that God help me to have the courage to be honest. Help me to have the courage to, to be honest about who I am and who God's been in my life. And so when I look at marriage and I look at this great idea of 16 lessons I've learned, it's because I've walked through this struggle. It's because the days have not been perfect. It's because there's been tension that I can sit here and say, I've learned lessons because I've gone through hard times. And I pray that in your life, you would look at your life and you would say, my life is an open book. We can share things that God has healed us from. Many times we can't share things because we haven't let Jesus in. We haven't let the great physician in to heal our hearts and our lives. And so it's better to just hide it and say, yes, my life has been perfect than to reveal truth that, yeah, my life looks really good on the outside right now. I've been through a lot and God has seen me through every day. The scripture that I hold on to as far as marriage is a cord of three is not easily broken. And uh, we actually have that picture hanging in our bedroom uh, as a reminder that with God at the center of our marriage will last. As soon as we pull God out of the picture, we won't last. And that is a fact. That's not just a cutesy saying. It's the truth in my marriage with God at the center. It's glorious. When I take God out of it, it is not glorious. So uh, that's our, our overlying scripture of our marriage is that a cord of three is not easily broken. So my marriage is my husband and I and God at the center. My neighbor's chopping ice. So you'll get that great background noise. And uh, we're just going to keep going uh, with the chopping noise in the back. <laughs> um, so let's go right into <clears throat> 16 lessons in 16 years. Uh, first of all, uh, and these aren't in any kind of order, um, but... John and I got married um, after dating for about four months. I was pregnant and we weren't married. And uh, if you'd like to hear that story, you could check back at the podcast. Um, and it's called My Darkest Moment Didn't End Me. And it's the story of the birth of our son, our oldest son, Luke, and and how God saw us through those days. But um, we were in Bible college. Uh, I was a senior in Bible college when I realized I was pregnant. We left school. Um, John went home to his house. I went home to my house. A whole strew of events happened, and we decided after um, much prayer. And and honestly, guys, I, I spent time just laid out before the Lord. Uh, here I am, uh, kicked out of Bible school, pregnant. And everyone's saying, get married. And I was like, I can't get married. I can't make this uh, commitment for a lifetime until, you know, the Lord says yes. And there was so much pressure. And so I found myself, um, and I remember where I was when I was praying. And I just said, God, I need to know that this is what you have for me. I'm not going to get married uh, simply because I'm pregnant. I don't want any day to look back uh, at my life and say, I got married because I was pregnant. I want to get married because God told me to or told uh, or, or whatever God told me to do, I wanted to do. 
So I remember the exact moment, the exact place that I was where God dropped in my heart. And I knew that I knew that John and I were, were supposed to be married. So uh, we got married when I was seven months pregnant. And um, so these are the lessons that I've learned over the last 16 years of marriage. All right. Uh, number one, your anger isn't his fault. Or, you know, if this is guys listening, your anger isn't her fault. Um, there, at the beginning of our marriage, I was very angry about <clears throat> many things. And I was uh, working through tensions of my uh, childhood, tensions of my adolescent years, t- tensions um, that I brought in to our marriage. And I would get angry so quickly and so easily. We have an older adopted son. And one time we had a family meeting. And uh, he was uh, a teenager at the time. And so we were talking about some things that uh, as a family we needed to look at. We all had time to talk. And when it got to him, we said, hey, is there anything that we could do uh, to be more helpful to you? And he said really shyly, like looked up at us and uh, he looked at me. He goes, uh, the only thing is, um, Jill, could you you stop yelling so much? And it was one of many moments that hit me that my bursts of like rage, anger was not okay. And it really was affecting people. Um, I was really good at slamming doors or uh, making sure everyone knew if I was upset. So um, I talked to an amazing woman of God and she helped me to see this, this fact that my anger, I blamed it all on my husband. Well, I have to uh, react this way because he's doing this and it's making me angry. And so um, if he doesn't take out the garbage like he's supposed to, then it's more than okay for me to stomp up the stairs. And if he doesn't, you know, do this when I've asked him to do this, or if he doesn't uh, respond the way that I want him to, then it's fine that I slam the door. It's his fault. He made me do this. And this was a huge turning point when I realized that no matter what other people do or don't do, my anger is my own responsibility. This was a game changer. This was a game changer. When I started to rely on the Holy Spirit and it didn't happen overnight, it was a process of me just keep keeping on asking God to help me. And so there would be moments where I would be mid-sentence to yell and I would be like, oh, what am I doing? Or, you know, it took time, but the Lord uh, helps me to, to change my anger. And um, so my anger is not John's fault. My anger is not anyone else's fault. I'm responsible for how I respond to things. I'm responsible for how I process things. Uh, number two, serve him anyway. We don't, in marriage, we don't wait for the other person to be worthy of us laying down our lives for them. And... Um, There is a time when John and I were in a huge argument and we just could not, we were in the season of just uh, sandpaper against each other. And I was um, up in the kitchen and I remember the Lord speaking to my heart and saying, go get John's slippers, take off his shoes and put the slippers on his feet. It was the last thing on my list that I could ever think of that I wanted to do for this man. I, in my self-righteousness, did not feel like he deserved it and that I should stoop so low, (laughs) but the Lord told me to. And so I went and I took John's shoes off. I put slippers on his feet. And by the time I was done, there were tears in my eyes and, uh, we in, in his, and we embraced and and knew that God was healing us uh, as a couple. And so, um, this is a huge lesson. If you can let it sink in that we would serve each other, not based on whether or not, uh, the other person is worthy of your service to them, but in marriage, we serve one another. We lay down our lives for one another. And so, in the midst of difficult times, serve each other anyway. 
Uh, number so your anger isn't his fault. Serve them anyway. Number three, uh, marriage is not a power struggle. It's power unity. It's not me against my husband. It's not. Um, how far I can get or how far he can get. It's bringing our uh, lives together and we can go further. And that's a huge um, change if you're you're thinking about yourself as an individual um, instead of as a couple and to realize that your strengths and his strengths together is a powerhouse. Uh, number four, let him be different. John doesn't have to uh, keep the same hours that I keep. I'm a morning person. He's a night person. This took us years and years and years and years to work out. Um, so even as I'm recording this podcast, John is in the other room sleeping, <laughs> but we still are able to function and I can accept him for who he is. So I have to let him do his thing and he has to let me do my thing. And I can't form him into a clone of who I am. So that's super important to let uh, your spouse be themselves. Number five, this is a huge one. I wrote down, God can teach you through this. So what I mean by that is in hard times, we want to just say, God, this is too much. I don't want to have to face this um, tension between us. And God wants to teach us lessons through the darkest moments. God wants to teach us lessons when um, things seem hard or things when things are unfair, not just when they seem unfair. Sometimes things just plain are unfair, not right. And in those moments, God can teach you something. Now that doesn't taste good in our mouths. That's not a fun thing to think about. That's, that's rough. But in that, if we could look at it, like if I feel like my world is falling apart, if uh, like about a month ago when I was driving in the car, could not stop crying, crying out to God and saying, God, I don't know how this is supposed to work. God, I just don't know. It's in those moments where God shows up and God gives us wisdom, spiritual understanding, and God can meet us in those places. And so God can work through your difficult situations. Open your ears in the midst of hard moments and listen to what God would say. So your anger isn't his fault. Serve him anyway. It's not a power struggle, but power unity. Let him be different. God can teach you through hard times. And number six, friends are important, especially um, for all the details of your day. And what I mean by that is uh, many times uh, we want to go and give our husbands or husbands maybe Maybe this is true about you, but it usually happens with women to their husbands want to give you ev- give every detail of everything in their day. And friends are great for that. It's important to have friends to talk about things with um, instead of um, making your husband everything in your life. He is your best friend. He is your everything in marriage. Yes, he is all those things, but it's important to have other friends and not to um, just have one person that... Uh, your husband is not your savior. Your husband is not, uh, he's a human being who is not meant to be everything uh, in your life. And so it's important to have friends to bounce ideas off of. It's important to have friends to talk about the little details of your day. It may not be beneficial to tell your husband uh, every detail about your work day and who you picked up and who you saw and what the weather was like and what shoes somebody was wearing and how so-and-so said this and then they da 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 Save it for your friends. And, um, tell your, you know, it depends on your personality and your husband's personality. But what I've learned is that, um, 
Friends are super important for for the details of my day. I tell John the important things. I tell John um, the things that uh, are parts of my heart, but the all the extra things it's important to have a friend to chat with and um, not make my husband my everything. All right. Um, number seven would be friends are important also for accountability. If John and I are having a hard time, uh, it's important that I bring it to God and not my friends. It's important that I go to God. Um, but there are some times where things are really heavy or really hard and I need some advice. And um, when I think about friends, there are friends that I know that if I called them, they would be against my husband. I know if there are friends that I call them that they would say um, some ungodly things or negative things. Those are not the friends to call um, when I'm facing trials. I need to have friends that will say, hey, Jill, let's pray right now together about this. Hey, let's bring this to God. You don't give up to encourage me to move towards my husband, towards God. And so friends are important for accountability, um, but we have to make sure, we have to know who those people are before we get into those bad situations. So you know who to call and who not to call. And um, I think it's super, super important to have people who will um, champion your marriage and um pray you through different situations. Now, um, again, it's super important that we share the details of our heart with God and with our spouse. Uh, it's not great to run to friends when we have argue, every argument with our husbands. Uh, that's that's not helpful. Those are things that you only share with God. Um, but sometimes when you're in a standstill or in a hard season, you might ask someone to pray without giving them all the details of, he said this and then he did this. No, but hey, I'm going through a hard time right now in my marriage. Would you pray with me right now over the phone? Or would you you know, keep us in prayer? Would you check in with me to make sure that I am continually bringing this to God? Because this isn't a... A really great way for me to get complacent, a time for me to get complacent or to move away from my husband and I want to move towards him. And find those friends that will keep you accountable. Number eight, marriage is more important uh, than your children. Marriage over children. We are called to be married before we're called to be parents. And it's super important that I don't neglect my marriage relationship to focus just on my kids. Uh, very close to that, marriage over in-laws. My marriage relationship is more important than uh, my mother and father. My marriage relationship is more important than his mother and father. And so uh, we're called first to each other and then to our extended family. So um, that's super, super important. So, so far we've said your anger isn't his fault. Serve him anyway. It's not a power struggle, but power unity. Let him be different. God can teach you through difficult situations. Friends are important for the details of your day. Friends are important for accountability. Marriage over children. Marriage over in-laws. And number 10 is something that John and I started right from the beginning. From day one of our, our marriage is that divorce is not a vocab word that we use. We don't use the word divorce in a fight. We don't use the word divorce when we're joking around. We don't say things like, oh, you do that and I'm going to leave you. We don't say that because we don't even want to speak that out. Divorce is not something we even talk about. We don't consider it and uh, it takes it right off the table. Uh, number 11, love him in imperfection. And so we have to realize that our spouse is a human. They aren't God. They aren't supposed to be perfect. And to love someone, even though they have things that haven't changed or haven't been per perfected yet, you love them in their imperfection. So you might realize um, a, a quality about your spouse that's no good. Love them anyway. 
I didn't say change them or give them suggestions or make lists for them, but love them anyway and say, okay, my husband struggles with this and I'm going to love him through it. And that's the same way that God looks at us. He wants us to change, but uh, it's his kindness that leads us towards repentance. It's not his nagging. It's not uh, his uh, anything else, but his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so um, we love our spouse knowing that they're not perfect and they're not supposed to be perfect until heaven. Number 12 uh, is a technique of listening to one another. Um, and we call this what I hear you saying. And we had a great uh, guide in this, Marlene Glicker, that taught us when we're, we're communicating. Communication is one of the most important things that we can do. And so when we're communicating to each other, I might say something. And I put that out there to John, but he might hear something else. And what I mean by that is a great example would be uh, John might come to me and say, Hey, Jill, I'd like an apple. And so he said, I'd like an apple. But what I heard him say, what I heard was that uh, he's mad because I didn't go grocery shopping and there's no apples in the house. And he thinks I'm a bad uh, housekeeper because I never get the groceries when, when he wants them and he asks for them and I never get blah, blah, blah. And our minds can spiral into all this stuff. And so there's a technique um, that we sometimes use that um, when John says something or I say something, he'll mirror it back to me. So he'll say, I want an apple. And then I will say, what I hear you saying is you think I'm bad at grocery shopping. And he'll come back to me. No, what I was trying to say was, hey, I'd like to go find an apple at the store together. And then I'll say, oh, what I hear you saying is, you know, and we go back and forth until we understand what the other person is saying. This is super, super helpful in everyday conversations, but it's most helpful when we're fighting. It's most helpful when there's tension. So <clears throat> when things start to get heated, um, John might say something and I say, what I hear you saying is this. No, that's not what I mean. And by the time we get to the heart of what we're trying to communicate to each other, we can soften pretty easily. So um, that's a really, really important one. Another thing um, is leave and come back in a certain number of minutes. So um, with John, when he gets angry, he needs some space. So he tends to want to leave. So he doesn't say anything. He does, he'll regret or do anything he'll regret. And I want to move towards him because I want resolution right away. And so what we've come up with is that John will say, hey, I need a few minutes. I can't continue this conversation as it is. I need a few minutes away, but I'm going to come back in 30 minutes, or I'm going to come back in, you know, an hour, I'm going to come back in five minutes, give me five minutes. So what we've done is helped both of us to diffuse. But what that gives me is a certain amount of time where I know it can be resolved. So yeah, go ahead and leave. But I know you're coming back in 10 minutes. So it's not an open ended like, hey, I can't do this anymore. I got to go for a ride, or I'm going to go outside for a walk. It's I'm going to go outside for a walk, but I'm coming back. We are going to fix this. We're going to finish this conversation. So that's been a really, really great one for us. Number 14, uh, know and ask for what you need. John, I spent the first, oh, I don't know, 12 years of our marriage um, with me upset over almost every holiday. And I couldn't put my finger on why I was so disappointed or upset. And um, come to realize I really, really appreciate and like cards. And I never uh, thought of that myself before, but I also um, didn't want to admit that I was needy or I wanted something that in my mind seems so um, unimportant as a card, but 
I guess I really like cards. So by the time I could finally admit that to John, he now knows that every single holiday, Valentine's Day, anniversary, birthday, St. Patrick's Day, doesn't matter. I really appreciate a card. And cards seem foolish sometimes when they're $5.99 for a simple card, but apparently that really, really just makes me happy. And so finding out what it is that I need and being able to express that is super important. He can't uh, magically know that, and I can't magically know. John hates cards, doesn't care about them, doesn't need them, doesn't want them. He would rather um, spending time going out somewhere together. So knowing what you need and being able to express that is a game changer. It took us so many years to figure that out. But really take a look and say, all right, so what would be the most loving thing for my husband to do for me on my birthday? And express that um, for birthdays in general, not saying my birthday's coming up, I need you to do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, like, hey, for birthdays, this is what really, really brings me joy. Would you consider this? And, you know, for whatever holiday. <clears throat> for us, um, we took so long to figure that out because in our marriage, we, we didn't have a lot of money uh, for years. And so I just, you know, never expressed what I wanted for holidays or gifts because um, it just wasn't on the table for us. We were just scrounging by. But then as soon as we were um, doing okay, I was like, well, now he's going to just start buying me gifts and cards. And it didn't just magically happen. And I took that as a great assault to me, <laughs> to my uh, self. And so it, being able to express that was super helpful and, and really helped us work work stuff out. So uh, be open about those things. Okay, so um, your anger isn't his fault. Serve him anyway. It's not a power struggle, but it's power unity. Let him be different. God can teach you through hard moments. Friends are important for the details of your day. Friends are important for accountability. Marriage over children. Marriage over in-laws. Divorce is not a vocab word that we use. Love him in his imperfection. What I hear you saying is, mirroring back, uh, love and come back in so many minutes. Know and ask for what you need, like cards. And then number 15 is have sex. It's so important that you have sex regularly. And it doesn't, and what I wrote down here for number 15 is have sex imperfectly. It doesn't have to be the perfect moment or the perfect time. You don't have to be in the perfect mood. Um, sometimes we romanticize um sexuality where we think that there has to be uh, roses and wine and candles and everything has to be just so. But God designed us to have sex often. It's a God idea and it's good for us to do. And so it's important that you are regularly having sex with your spouse. It's part of God's design for marriage and it's a gift to each other. Sometimes I don't feel like it and I do it. Sometimes he doesn't feel like it and he does it. Um, but it's important to do regularly super, super important. Number 16. And lastly, is that your marriage is not your parents' marriage. It looks different. You are different than your parents. Your spouse is different than your, your, your parents. And so the marriage that they have is what God designed for them. And the marriage that you have is what God has designed for you. Um, John and I came from very different families and, um, my parents were best friends and did absolutely everything together. Uh, and John came from a, a home of divorced parents. And so I thought that, um, as a married couple, uh, when John came home from work, that we would have dinner together and then we would spend every waking minute together until we went to sleep and we would walk up the stairs together and go to sleep together and wake up together and make coffee for each other and then go to work and then come back together. And I thought that was marriage. John thought marriage was 
we have dinner and then we go do our own thing and we see each other when we see each other. And um, so we had to meld those two ideas together. We had to meld together what do we want our marriage to look like. And and as I mentioned before, John's a night owl and I'm a morning person. So 10 o'clock, I am beyond ready for bed. And 10 o'clock, he's just getting started with you know his... <laughs> Uh, evening. And so uh, coming to the realization that we're not going to be going to bed together every night at the same time, Um, coming to the realization that we're not going to wake up and have coffee together in the morning because he's not going to be up when I'm up and ready to go. And so looking at, okay, so this is not my parents' marriage. This is my marriage. God, what do you have designed for me and John? Because Going back to that cord of three is not easily broken. In all of these lessons that I've learned, I've had to go back to God and I've had to stand on the promise, God, you brought John and I together. You said this was a good idea. You said um, that we should be married. And that brings me back to the, um, the idea that I brought forth in the beginning, that we can rely on God to show up. We can we can trust fall into God. We can believe that God... Um, <clears throat> We can believe that God uh, is going to see us through every day of our marriage. And if we can believe that we can trust him even more than we can trust ourselves, then we have this confidence that even though things may feel rough or things that like, I don't know how this is supposed to work, God does. I don't know how we're supposed to get through this impasse that we're at. God does. So we trust him. We trust the God of the universe who called us together. And so I want to speak quickly to those who feel like, I don't know if I married the right person. I don't know if God, maybe you never had that moment like I did where I knew that I knew that God had called us together. If that were me, I would find myself on my knees before God and say, God, I never had that moment. Would you speak to me now? God, I never had that moment. Would you uh, reassure my heart? Because we need to stand on the words that God gives us. We need to stand on the truth that he gives us. And I believe that God can work together all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And when we read in the Bible about people who are married to unbelievers, God says uh, he's going to teach you through it. He's going to help you to bring that person uh, an example of who God is. And there's no situation that's not that's too hard for God or too big or too messed up or too tangled up. And many times we get deep into marriage, deep into years of marriage. And if we've let uh, things pile up on top of each other and haven't dealt with them, then we can look at it. It's too much of a knot. It's too tangled up. I can't fix this. God can always fix it. I had an experience early on in our marriage when um, a woman was going through a divorce and I was able to have a moment with her and I, I said, hey, what happened? You guys were so happy and I, I don't understand. What happened? And she looked at me with fire in, his eyes, in her eyes and she said, Jill, if you're 10 years into your marriage and nothing's changed, you're going to be in the same place I am. She says, we've worked on this and he will not change. And I'm not going to sit around waiting my whole life for him to change. I'm done. She spoke those words and I found a place of prayer with those words 
because this is the beginning of our, our marriage. And um, I wanted John to be perfect. I wanted him to be superhuman. I wanted him to have no flaws. I could have flaws, but I didn't want him to have flaws. And I looked at him with disgust many times when he didn't do things perfectly. I wanted him to almost be robotic in perfection. And so I was angry at him all the time. Any misstep, I was just so angry at him. And I would say, God, this is the, this is the man you've given me. He's not perfect. Well, he was a human being <laughs> and uh, I didn't realize how good that I actually had it, right? So I, I took this, this admission that this girl gave me uh, to the Lord in prayer and I said, God, what if John never changes? God, what if he never does the things that I want him to do? And through tears and through a long time of just back and forth of me confessing my heart to God, I made a commitment to my husband that day. And this was super, super important. I made a commitment in prayer. He wasn't even there. He didn't even, you know, at that time know what was going on. I made a commitment in prayer. And I said, God, if my husband never changes a thing about himself, if he never moves on the spectrum of, of, of perfect, closer to godliness or closer to, to anything, if he stays exactly how he is today, God, I promise that I will love him. Friends, that changed everything in my marriage. It changed everything. I remember coming back down the stairs after that and feeling like I had just committed myself to, it was like a, a covenant marriage ceremony that I had up in my prayer closet that I was committed to this man no matter what. He could be good, he could be bad, but I was committed to him no matter what because I knew that God would see me through because if he never changed, I would still love him. And then it was my kindness towards him that led him to change different things. Now, uh, don't get me wrong. There wasn't like huge areas of, of um, I'm not trying to call out that my husband was, was this terrible person, but um, things over the years, I remember um, probably eight or nine years into marriage, one day um, I was ironing clothes. I remember being upstairs in our, in our bedroom, ironing clothes, and it hit me how much I and John had changed. It hit me just how happy we were. And I just began to weep. And I remember just putting the iron down, getting down on my knees and weeping before God and saying, thank you, God, thank you. Because way at the beginning, I never imagined I could be this happy. I never imagined that you would bring so many things full circle. I never imagined that you would take the things I thought were so painful and you would begin to polish and polish and polish to make them useful. And I felt such joy. And I know that it was because um, John and I had both walked in obedience towards God because a cord of three is not easily broken. But if I had walked my own way and he had walked his own way, we would be far away. But we both walked towards God and were united. So I know that there can be hard times in marriage. Both John and I have very strong personalities. And so um, we have friends that um, I remember talking to them after they had been married a couple of years. And uh, we came to them and we're like, so how's marriage? Are you guys doing okay? And they looked at us and they're like, yeah, we've never fought. And John and I looked at each other kind of like out of the corner of our eyes, like, oh, shoot. Like, well, <laughs> that's not us. <laughs> and uh, their marriage is different than ours. Their marriage is different than my parents' marriage. Their marriage is different than your marriage. And the way that God has put them together uh, is they don't fight. John and I uh, work out things 
through disagreements sometimes. We work out things through discussion sometimes, but we've seen hard days. We've seen hard months. We've seen hard years and God has seen, seen us through all of it. So your anger isn't his fault. Serve him anyway. It's not a power struggle, but power unity. Let him be different. God can teach you through hard things. Friends are important for details. Friends are important for accountability. Marriage over children. Marriage over in-laws. Divorce is not a vocab word to use. Love him in his imperfection. Use the what I hear you saying method. Leave and come back in a certain amount of time. Know and ask for what you need. Maybe it's a card on your birthday. Have sex imperfectly. And it's not your parents' marriage. Yours looks different. I hope that some of these... Uh, things that I've learned over the years will will stir you on to go and, and sit before the Lord and ask uh, questions and ask God if, if he's moving you in a certain direction to strengthen your marriage. Marriage is a picture of two imperfect people agreeing to move towards God together. And that's just such a beautiful picture. It's such a beautiful mystery. It's such a loud billboard to the world that God is powerful that two separate people could come together in unity. It's so powerful. And it's something that we should work on and work through and work towards. And I hope that in your struggle, I hope that in your joy, I hope that in your easy days and in your hard days, you would keep thanking God, that you would thank God right through it, that you know that no matter what happens uh, this year, you're going to praise God anyway. No matter what happens, what has happened, you're going to praise God anyway. And put that forward that I'm going to praise God through all of this. I'm going to choose to move towards God. I remember one particular day, I this was this. I had left the house in a tizzy. I was just so angry. Um, and I drove away and I'm driving down the street and my there's tears in my eyes. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, turn around go back and apologize. I heard it clear as day. And there was nothing in me that wanted to turn around. In my mind, there was no way that he deserved an apology for me. He should be apologizing to me, not me to him. And the Holy Spirit was so stern and so loud in my ear. And I had a choice to make. I could have chose to be like, nope, not going back now. And God would have seen me through it. But I chose to listen to God and I turned my car back around. I went back to the house and I apologized. Do you know how many times I've done that? A million trillion times. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit in our marriage. We have to let God be the one we run to, the one we listen to, but most importantly, the one we obey. When God says to do it, I'll do it. Maybe my emotions will catch up later, but I will do what God asks me to do. And so um, I'm going to pray for you and just pray over your marriage. And um, don't be afraid to get counseling if you need counseling. If you're in an impasse, don't be afraid to get counseling. But most importantly, on your own, go to God. On your own, go to Jesus. God, what can I do in this situation? God, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. 
whether it's apologize, whether it's um, bake him a cake, whether it's put on his slippers, whether it's whatever it is, because God knows more than us and we can trust fall into his arms and we can trust that his promises are true and we can trust that he knows our hearts, he knows our intentions and that he will take care of us. He says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that means even in the struggles of our marriage, he will never leave you or forsake you. He, His love is gonna move towards you and not away from you. So call to him and he'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know about your marriage. Seek him and you will find him about your marriage. God wants to be involved in this. He wants to, to guide you and he created marriage. He has a strategy for you. He has ways that are above your ways. So let's pray. God, I thank you. Uh, for marriage. God, I thank you for this uh, design that you have to bring two people together. And God, I thank you for the things that you've seen John and I through. God, I thank you for the lessons that I've learned. And God, I pray that they would be helpful to other people. God, I pray that we would open our ears to the Holy Spirit. I pray over each person that's listening, whether they have a great marriage or a tricky or difficult marriage. God, I pray that they would open their ears to the Holy Spirit. They would open their ears to you. And God, I ask that you would drop truth into their hearts. God, I pray that we would be people full of love, that we'd be people full of patience, we'd be people full of joy, that God, the fruits of the Spirit would be evident in our marriage. God, I pray that we would be kindest to the people closest to us. God, I pray that we wouldn't reserve our kindness for strangers, but we would be kind to our husbands, our wives, to our children, to our family. God, I pray that you would move us to be more and more like you and less and less like the world. God, help us to be soft and pliable in your hands. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.